0: Hi, I'm Jenna Harrison from theuncommonway.com, and you are listening to the SME Stories Podcast.
1: You are now listening to the next great small business podcast. Welcome to the SME Stories Podcast, where it is all about small businesses in Canada. And here's your host, Ken Alfred. Everybody, thanks on the show. We got a great up today with Jenna Harrison. Jenna Harrison is a top-ranked business coach and a reformed overanalyzer turns queen of clarity before becoming a serial entrepreneur she oversaw brand communication and copy for over 33 brands at a top fashion company when not wearing her coaching hat you'll find her satisfying her wunderlust playing tug of war with her puppy or chasing after her five-year-old son so we'll be back in the coaching space today guys and i think you're gonna have a great time with this episode so sit back and absorb all right guys we have jenna harrison jenna how you doing
0: hey ken so glad to be here
1: Glad to have you. So what you're going to tell my listeners is that you're now this, from what I read in your profile, you are the quintessential queen of clarity. Is that right? Queen
0: of clarity. Yes.
1: All right. So there's only one. Excellent. So let's start with that. So you know what, Jenna Harrison, Uncommon Way, I think we're going to talk about that too. What's your story?
0: Yeah, my story. So I was a person who spent two decades thinking if only I could get clear on what I wanted, watch out world. So I was the corporate working girl, and I remember having this office looking over Union Square in New York City, and throughout the year, the colors would change in the green market that was down below in the farmer's market, and I would watch it longingly, right? Meanwhile, I'm sitting underneath these fluorescent lights, feeling like my soul is just being sucked out from me, and Watching these people walk around at 10 a.m. in the morning and thinking, who are they? What? How have they cracked the code? How can I have what they have? And so I would teeter sometimes. I remember I was just getting into yoga back then, and I thought, you know what? Maybe I should just be grateful for everything I have. Maybe I should just live in the moment. Why do I need anything more? Everything's good. I have a great job. I live in a great city. And yet... There was always this call, right? There was always this nudge to, to not be there, right? To start my own thing. And I thought, well, I will. I definitely will as soon as I know what that thing is. And I spent two decades in that place. And finally, using a process that I now help people with, I finally figured out what I was really here to do. And it actually was not clarity, it was to help people move into a very uncommon lifestyle and really create the life of their choosing, a very uncommon life. So I started out helping people do that and a funny thing happened. I was attracting mostly entrepreneurs that wanted to create this reality for themselves and I was really helping them more with, with the mindset of that right of really getting themselves into the space of being able to make their own decisions do business differently do it the way that felt right for them and then I noticed that they were really lacking this like fundamental knowledge of what they were really here to do. And that was creating all these different situations where they were kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall, or they were moving from one thing to the other, and they were going back and forth. And I was like, oh, see, this is why I never do that, because I know really what I'm here to do. And so I stopped myself for probably a year, maybe even more, saying, who am I to help people with the question of their life, right, of what they're actually here to do. And finally, I said, you know what, you know what, I did this thing. I don't know if it'll work for you. Do you want to try? And it was amazing. It was magic. And so when we combined that with what we were already doing in business, it became really successful. And they started calling me their business coach, which I thought was hilarious. And they started calling me the queen of clarity, which I also thought thought was hilarious, given that I had spent two decades in confusion and uncertainty and overthinking. And I've just been going ever since then as the queen of clarity and running with it. I love it.
1: Absolutely. It's like that... uh it's like the paralysis by analysis kind of thing. I think that would scares a lot of would-be entrepreneurs, right? Like, so it doesn't matter what venture you want to do in, whether you want to be a fix and flipper or do you want to start your own cleaning business or, you know, maybe you want to start a social media management practice or something. You just get bogged down by all the details that can get so overwhelming that you're like, do I really want to do this? Is there something that maybe not? Because maybe all these roadblocks that are kind of showing me or pointing me in the direction of saying, yeah, maybe this is why all these things. That's why I shouldn't be doing it. But yes,
0: or it's you know, for a better place. Like that would happen to me too. I'd get an idea, I'd do all the research, I'd be set, and then I'd get a better idea. Right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Which is exactly what a smart brain would do if it does not want you to take action.
1: Yeah, right? absolutely.
0: Present an even better idea
1: to you. Yeah. yeah, and and I always hear that for so much. More, sometimes you gotta go after. You know three, four different kinds of businesses before you really find the one that works for you and there's not there's anything wrong to me, it's all part of the journey, right? I mean in a perfect world, you can find one business that you actually want to do and it becomes super successful. I think that's the dream that everyone has, but you and I both know that sometimes that doesn't happen that way. You might go through a few things like I told my listeners i I did the whole roller coaster ride of different business ventures I did. You know, multi-level marketing before. I did drop shipping before. I did mobile car detailing before, and now I'm doing voiceover and podcasting. And I'm actually having the most fun, less stress from those other businesses, doing what I'm doing right now, and I and I love it, right? And uh, I think it's just finding what what you're good for, right? So, so why is it your? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jenna. Finish your thought.
0: No, I was just gonna say that I love I love that evidence for everyone that you eventually found your thing.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, let's let's be honest. If Jenna and I happen to win, you know, the billion dollar Powerball jackpot in the states, or the seventy million dollar Lotto Max here in Canada, okay, maybe we'll maybe we then have more time to really go through all the things that could scare us and try to go through those numbers and justify it that way. But I don't think that's going to happen, so that's okay. But uh, it's it's kind of nice to hear.
0: We'll say. If I can. Absolutely. Had I known then what I know now, I would have been doing this work so much sooner that's yeah i too was trying different hustles and different business ventures outside of my corporate job and they also were not grounded in the way that they are now so i believe that it's always there for us to see we just need to connect the dots
1: what kind of what other what other ventures did you try before this just so listeners know that you know they hear you they hear my story i want to hear someone else's story of like before they found their thing what what are the things that they tried Yep. And it just didn't work out. So what did, were what did, yeah. the ones you did?
0: So straight out of college, I ran away to Spain and I was a construction worker. I worked in construction. Wow. I also ran a restaurant on a beach. Mm-hmm. Then I came back and I worked in New York using my Spanish to sell burners and boilers, super high ticket, like $200,000 products to Central American industrialists. And then I moved into jewelry design. I went back and got my degree and I was running a jewelry design business um, using like CAD, computer, you Mm -hmm. know, operated design. And, um, oh, and I was a travel blogger.
1: Oh, wow. So you got to travel and blog and get paid for that.
0: So that was a funny thing. I got to travel and blog and have my travel paid for. But I wasn't actually making money, so I was traveling the world for free, and I was competing against tons of you know pre-college students or just graduated college students that really right. didn't need money. They just wanted the free travel. Yeah, I was older <laughs> by that point. I also wanted the money, so that lasted for about two years, and I became successful in that in that industry. And I had you know social media following, and it was great in some respects. It taught me a lot of skills for later on. And also it wasn't, you know, maybe if I'd stuck with it, but I didn't have the resilience at that point to stick with it.
1: Who knows? Yeah, it might have been nice, especially maybe if, let's say we were retired and the kids have already moved out of the house and we still wanted to travel. But, you know, still have some money coming in, like you said, just to at least have the expenses covered. So if you have enough saved up that you can go anywhere you wanna go and get paid and just to write about your experiences, That maybe that'd be a dream job for a lot of people, right, too. But so, yeah,
0: that's really cool. So There were so, actually some empty nesters that were successful travel bloggers. And when you're on those gigs, you, you know, your meals are paid for, the hotel's paid for, everything's paid for. It, it is really fun.
1: I bet you, so my wife, Mrs. K, she loves to travel. Like I say that she's traveled more countries than I can in, you know, five lifetimes right? Because her, because, you know, for some people, you know, that vacation actually was going to a different country, different city, different, or I say different province, different, whatever you want to call it, somewhere around the world. My family was more different. They're like, okay, yeah, vacation was, yeah, you know, we'll go to, let's say, Buffalo, Ohio, you know, just drive, around, but nothing, nothing crazy, right? So to us, having a staycation was okay. But for my wife, who's been you know, Africa, Israel, Iran and all these different places that she's been to, Costa Rica. It's like, if we don't go somewhere, it'd be weird, <laughs> right? So it's like the idea of staycation to her is like a naughty word. You can't say that. There's no such thing as a staycation. But unfortunately, nowadays, a lot of people are doing staycations and it could be obviously we're still we're at the end of the pandemic of hopefully and some places are and most places are open up, but some people could be the fact that they're afraid to go so maybe it's maybe it's safer to travel as long as you can go somewhere whether it's i don't care if it's in a cottage area but if you're getting some value out of it and you're actually enjoying the vacation sure then that's good but um anyways got sidetracked there for a minute there so based on your profile you worked over like 33 brands for communication and copy so what kind of brands would did you be? Did you work on, and, and it's also the fashion industry as well that you worked on. So, are you able to elaborate a little bit on that?
0: Yes. So this was back in my corporate life and I was the head of, um, I was a corporate editor for a multinational fashion company and they had many different brands. So, you know, when you see Louis Vuitton, they don't just have Louis Vuitton. They actually own many, many different brands. So I was working on all of the different brands and it was fun because we had some that were really kind of catering to maybe the Spanish language market. And so they would be throwing in Spanish words often. And we had other brands that were higher end and we had other that were lower end, some that were for women and others bathing suits. We had so many different brands and of course they all had different brand personalities.
1: Wow. So it's it's a lot of, you did a lot of stuff. So that's really good. That's why I'm glad to have you on the, on the show here. So let's go right back to currently what your current practice is right now. So, you do coaching and consulting for a lot of people, which is great. And I think you target more towards women. Is that correct?
0: Yes. Yes. So right now, if you were to Google business coach for women or business coach for female entrepreneurs in the United States, I'd be on the first page.
1: Nice. Yeah. So what was it about the women part? that? Because I, th- I think for some people, they'll be like, well, if I want to be a coach, then I want to be everybody's coach, right? So men, women, whatever, just because... I could get more potential clients. So what was it about the female market that that, draw, that drew you to that?
0: Right. Well, obviously, I knew a lot about it. And I knew a lot about the particular difficulties for women when they're trying to take up space and charge more money and do things that maybe they haven't been brought up to do that feels a little, you know, awkward to do. Uh or uncomfortable to do. And so I noticed that most of my clients coming to me were women. I have worked with men. I love working with men too. But when it came time to really create a solid niche, which was women entrepreneurs that really want help getting clear on certain aspects of their business. Then I went with women and Google loved it. And so now I'm not. Well, if
1: Google that. loved it, then might as well, right?
0: <laughs> exactly. And so now I I don't plan to change that marketing, but of course I'm open.
1: I'm right. With all the people. Yeah. So if Elon Musk wanted to come to you and say, "Okay, I need some help," maybe <laughs> you, got, you
0: turn him down.
1: Wouldn't turn. Or you at least entertain the idea, right? Yeah. So if if Zuckerberg or Bezos wanted to come on the show, even though the story is about small to medium sized businesses. <laughs> I might be okay to let them in. Oh, for you guys, absolutely. Come on in. So, right. excellent. So, you how,
0: check in with yourself first, right? Yes. Like, does this feel like a hell yes?
1: Yeah, right? exactly. exactly. Well, like, yeah. Well, and that's the thing. We Maybe we'll touch on that as well, is to not just say yes for, you know, a potential opportunity or saying yes to all opportunities. Because I think as we start talking about it, not all opportunities are going to be the best opportunities for your business, right? Just because absolutely. it's there. Absolutely.
0: So both ways. I mean, perfect example with coaching men or women, right? Not all women are my ideal clients, right? And not all men would not be my ideal clients. We really have to talk. But interestingly, there are a lot of women that are specifically looking for a coach that helps women that can Mm -hmm. understand that and they want to be in a group environment with women that understand kind of the difficulties coming at it as a woman.
1: Yeah. And like one of my previous guests, her name was Claudine Pereira. She's called the pink coach and she does more enterprise stuff. Um, and I think it's more based in Ontario and stuff like that. But it's funny because uh, she found her niche and she just went after it of who she was, who she was going to go after. Right. So it's really good and you can't go anything wrong with the pink coach. That'd that's really, it's very catchy. And that's what she likes to focus on, which is, which is great. So, so tell me about how big is your current practice right now? So how many people are helping you out running your empire?
0: Oh, very, very few. I have a couple contractors. I have someone to help me with my podcast. I have, you know, an attorney I can rely on, a bookkeeper accountant. I have a virtual assistant who helps me with certain things, but it's, it's a very lean business.
1: So if you were to recommend the first person to hire or contract with, what role do you fill? Would you fill first?
0: Okay, so if I were starting out a company again, I would not outsource anything until I got to a point where I felt like I could do that thing in my sleep. Okay. So I work with a lot of people that want to go straight to hiring a copywriter, for instance, and I always say, get so good at your copy, know your copy so well that you can basically do it in your sleep, and you'll know if somebody is not right doing it the way you would do it. That's when it's time to hire a copywriter. And so, the same thing with anything, actually. Uh, I know that's a little contrary to a lot of business advice, but I say learn it from the ground up. Learn the business from the ground up. You have, when you're starting a business, you have extra time on your hands, and you can invest that in your brain by learning.
1: Yeah, and and we're not saying you have to be an expert in every single facet of it, right? You can't be the. You know, we're not expecting you to be a CPA, a chief marketing officer, all that sort of stuff, right? But at least know enough about how you would like your business to to operate. And once you start figuring out, okay, now all these other tasks are taking up too much time that I'm not able to grow the practice. Then maybe slowly start to assign a duty here, a duty there. Like I find, like right now, I just hired a video editor, right? Because I don't have the time anymore to actually record the, like, I can record the videos and edit them, but you know, it takes a lot of time away. But I found, I think the right person that can take my videos, edit them up, cut out all the stuff that doesn't need to be put on. I'll add some audio on there just cause I'm used to audio stuff. And uh, we upload the episodes to YouTube. So it's, it helps that way that uh, it's nice to have something like that, right? So.
0: Absolutely.
1: But uh,
0: yeah, but yeah, because I, I think that it forces your brain also when you start doing it yourself, it forces you to get really creative and smart
1: mm-hmm.
0: with your solutions before you start outsourcing it and potentially paying a lot more for services you don't actually need, but you don't know you don't need them because you've never done it yourself.
1: Well, and yeah, I've had that too. Well, I've had some situations where I tried going with a, a different, a different firm and they said, Yeah, we'll edit your podcast for you, the audio. And I was like, Okay, that's curious. Let me see how that works. I know how I usually like to edit it. And I gave them a few files and I said, Okay, well here's a couple episodes. Let me let me hear what you're these I plan to release this, let me hear it. And it's funny that you know the, before they actually before I release it, I like to listen to what they what they put in. And I listened to it, and like a secret to the users. It's not flawless when you start doing podcasting, when you're recording intros, outros, all these different things, commercials, you're going to flub a line here and there, right? So I was listening to the one that this company said they wanted to say, yeah, can, it's done. And I listened to it and it's like me reading out the guest bio. So let's say I was doing your bio. Uh-huh. They kept all the flubbed lines in there. Oh, so, cause there are some people, and there's a little secret to those who do podcasting is that when you're you know, pre-recording something, like let's say you're reading out a commercial or an intro. If you make a mistake, you don't have to, have to stop after every single time you make a mistake and go all the way back to the beginning. There are certain things that podcasters like to do. they can do the clap test, which is they'll just clap their hands really loudly. So when they look at the audio, they know that's the, that's the cut thing I'm gonna cut, or they just say three, two, one, and then just repeat what they're gonna say. So that when they hear it, they know to scrap out the three, two, one. So this company kept the three, two, one on there <laughs> on my intro, and I'm looking at them like, uh, "Are you sure?" And I said, "There's, there's a th- multiple three, two, ones on this file. You got to, you got to remove it, right?" And so, I mean, unfortunately, I don't do business with them anymore because I was like, "No, that's it. that's that's too much." Because, you know, I'll, I'll make this really quick because I know this is more about you. But when I started doing this thing, my kids said, both of my kids, I said, "Daddy, you trying to become famous?" I said, no, not trying to be famous because I would spend so much time working on the podcast that I don't get to see them as much. So by hiring this video editor now, I can literally pull out the audio and automatically upload that as well. So it's one thing. It's like a seamless transition, which is perfect for me. And uh, that's why I think you said you got to be smart about it to make sure you can really do these things. So back to you. Now, back to your coaching practice. What are your plans for expansion and worldwide domination, Jenna? What do you see yourself doing? Like, how big do you you think you're going to be?
0: How big do I think I'm going to be? Well, right now I'm starting to hit the podcast circuit. (laughs) So I definitely am increasing visibility. And this is all part of the master plan. You're on to me. (laughs)
1: all right (laughs)
0: yes and i do see in the future i think i have a long life i think it's amazing what they're doing now with in the medical field and i think we're all going to live a lot longer than we expect to and we don't get hit by a bus um and so i do think i have a lot of time to keep growing and i am expecting um to be on tv morning shows and writing books and to be very very well known I think this is a message that a lot of people need to hear, which is that their clarity is there within them. They're just too close to see it.
1: Yeah. So what is it about the clarity piece that people seem to, to miss, right? So you, you see that you tell you the queen of clarity. So if someone's coming to you, man, woman, whoever, this says, you know, I want to, I need, I need a business life coach. I just... I'm all over the place. And I think a lot of small business owners are very similar to that thing. So you definitely have a, a niche right there for anybody. Is says that right. there's so many things going on in their minds? So how,
0: yeah. what's th- the
1: best way to get clear, Jenna? What's the best way to get clear? Yeah,
0: they'll say, <laughs> I don't know, you know, who my right people really are. Like, who should my niche be? Or I don't know if this is really the work that I even really want to be doing. Because most of my clients, they could make money in their corporate job, right? It's not really about that. It's just that they want to do something that feels like, you know, years from now, when they're on their deathbed, they say, you know what, that was the thing I did. That was my legacy. I threw my hat in the ring over that. And so they're like, is this really what I want to be doing? You know, helping people with weight loss or whatever it is, they want something that matters. And (laughs) there's so many questions like, is this the right strategy? Is this the right offer? There's so many things they want to get clear on. And what I say is that the clarity is always there. Right. You just need to connect the dots, and that even a brain surgeon can't do surgery on herself. Right. You're just too close to see it.
1: So, yeah, you can try. It's just, I just don't know how it would work really. I had one uncle that actually would cut his own hair. He would have like his razor in the mirror, and he's like doing that. I'm obviously with this is not totally not the same as brain surgery, folks. So, please don't try that. But, <laughs> You know, but no, it, it's true. I think everyone is very scattered, not knowing what to do, who to go after, especially on a business side, right? Because you can say, "Oh, I want everybody." Explain, Jenna, to the listeners why it's not good to try to market to everybody.
0: Well, I think the the common saying is, if you're marketing to everyone, you're marketing to no one, and it certainly is possible to build, for instance, a general life coaching business where you say, I can coach anybody on anything, but it's going to make your job a lot harder to try and speak to them in a way that's concrete and moving enough for them to pull out their credit card right now. And it's also gonna make it harder for your audience because they're always gonna be wondering, can she really help me? Can he really help me? Is this the right person to help me do this thing? Right? And we just wanna make it easy for people to say yes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because if you think about it, back to the medical field or the construction field, there is a general practice doctor, a general physician, and there's a general contractor. They know a little bit about everything, but even within those industries, there are very specific specialties, whether you're a bone doctor, a brain surgeon, eye doctor, or you're a roofer, you're a plumber, you're an electrician. There's very specialized things within those different industries. So like you said, it's nice to say, yeah, I want to be a general life coach okay. But if someone has a very specific need that they want someone who's like, I didn't know this too about the coaching professions When I spoke to my previous guest and she was saying that some of her clients are actual coaches, but they're like very specific coaches. One is a more of a fitness related coach and one is more of a financial coach. And she's giving, I was like, oh, so you're kind of like working with your quote unquote, not real competitors, right? Because she focuses more on executive stuff, but it's nice to see that those coaches are very specific with their niche. So it's not saying that I'm a a coach.
0: Oh, absolutely. I know somebody who helps quilters with weight loss. Really? Yes. And I know people, I mean, there are people that teach quilting and have a seven-figure business. I mean, you can... You can definitely build a business around whatever you want, I believe. And you can also, you don't have to be worried about getting very, very niche and specific. I think people stop themselves from doing that because they think, I don't want to turn anyone away, or then I'll have less business, right? So I don't want to only focus on that. But the truth is, is that when you do, then you draw the right people, the people you want, and you're able to charge more for it because they want exactly what you have and they can't find it anywhere else.
1: You know, I was listening to you talk there, Jenna, and I, for some reason, my mind kept going to quilting. I'm like, maybe I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> right. Seven-figure quilters? Maybe, yes. maybe. So <laughs> anyways, in all seriousness, like for your practice right now, like everyone's gonna have to deal with expenses. We all know we gotta pay for them. What has been like the biggest expense in your particular practice in the, in the business life coaching space?
0: coaching. I have coaches and that for yourself for myself. Absolutely. I believe so much. Why wouldn't I? And that is the single biggest line item in my business. And I expect it to always be, well, I shouldn't say always be, let me rethink that. (laughs) I expect it to, I expect to maintain this level of expenditure throughout the life of my business. It will probably, I'll probably have other expenditures as my business grows like employees Right, that are more. But yeah, I absolutely believe in it. It has propelled me so much further than I would have done by myself. And I have no plans to stop it. I often say, like, I would not make a house payment before I would not make, not continue with a coach. Like, a coach can help me use my brain to buy more houses. Right. A house can't help me buy more houses.
1: Right, yeah. and sorry. How many coaches do you have at this point? Just so that the listeners know that you know they might think, "Oh, I don't need a coach. I can just watch enough YouTube stuff, or I can just take online courses to figure out how to run everything." But w- w- for an expert like yourself? I totally
0: understand, I which is lower cost. And, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, and used to be me a hundred percent. So mm-hmm. I absolutely get that. Um, right now, I just have one coach, but I've. Uh, it's very normal for me to have three to four
1: all different aspects of your life so you have like i guess uh, everyone thinks of a business coach as I was yeah.
0: only thinking about business coaches i have three to four business coaches but i also you're right i have a parenting i've had a parenting coach in the past
1: really and
0: yeah and so i do have other i do hire other coaches for specific needs at specific times
1: well yeah that's what i'm saying right so you have like three or four business coaches that, that help you in different aspects of your business are you able to say what like like separate some of them, like who does what kind of thing, just so that people know that, you know, first they might just try to get one coach, but I guess maybe if they, like you said, they had a great experience and they feel the value there, but maybe that coach is good in a certain area, but I need some, and, you know, they need something else in a different area. And that's why you might reach out to coach number two. So are you able Absolutely. to share that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I have one coach who was really, really great with thought work so, thought work is a particular way of enhancing your mindset. And so, she was helping me really think about how I thought about my business, right? So that I could create bigger results. But I also had a coach who was helping me with time and not just time management, like to be more productive and get more done, but to actually think about how I think about time because we all tend to think. Time creates my results, right? If I put in this much time, if I work at it for this long, if I'm doing this many things, right, that's what will create my results. And she really helped me center back into, I create my results, right? And I could do it with one email, right? That could bring on a flood of business. It doesn't have to be, right? It doesn't have to be me working at two years to get to a certain level in Mm -hmm. my company. So she was amazing to help me with my thoughts around time. the way I approach time. Um, I have other, let me think, I've worked with other people on more kind of um, the woo side, the energetics of business, what allow, you know, really allowing things to come to you. And I've worked with other more straight up traditional business coaches, maybe on working on and, you know, the analytics of funnels, and very left brain, like, how would we tweak this funnel right here to bring in more business? Um, and then I've worked with, I'm sorry, I'm like, I could go on and on. <laughs> I, <laughs> I've worked with coaches that are helping me get to a specific point in my business, right? Or to develop a specific type of strategy in my business.
1: Wow, that's pretty cool. Like, like I used to have like a, a coach for my finances. I used to have a coach for uh, voiceover work because I wanted to get into voiceover as well. Right. So that's why I was like, I, I had those specialized coaches for those things. So it was kind of nice to see. So, all right. So now we're going to talk a little bit about social media. Now you, you obviously have a very strong social media presence, but I was reading in your bio here that you actually made almost hundred K just from Google. Are you able to explain that to the listeners, what that is or how that happened?
0: Yeah, exactly. So somebody, by the way, I was not on social media for about two years up until this summer. So it's absolutely possible to have a business without social media, but- um, We're going
1: to assume the digital markers didn't hear that, but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> they might be like, Ken, what are you doing bringing someone on who says they don't need us? I'm like, that's not my fault. She said she, she was able to do it. Why not? It's just her opinion. It's just, just her, her
0: opinion. Right. So Continue. What, what I did um, is I had a, a page on my website that started ranking well on Google and yes, I do have some SEO background. I was a travel blogger before, but I would never, if you had asked me to predict which of my pages would rank well on Google, it would not have been that page. It wasn't a blog post where I had outlined it in any spe- you know special way for Google to find attractive. It was just my, my page where I talk about, hey, you can work with me if this is what you're interested in and this is what you want, I can help you do X, Y, and Z. And so now that it ranks well on Google, people type in a search term, they look through some of the options, they find me, and then they book a call, and then we end up working together. So that is how that 100,000 came in, was, was just through Google. But I'll tell you what goes on behind the scenes there. They had to resonate so strongly with what they found, with the messaging they found there, that they instantly felt compelled that day to book a call with me. And then from there, they had to speak with me and I had to be able to listen to them and really articulate the problem as I saw it so that they could believe that, yes, I was offering them the solution and they felt safe to work with me. And then they were able to say yes.
1: Interesting. Yeah, it's like, because everyone nowadays thinks that they have to have you know, the Instagrams, the TikToks to spread their business around to say, yep, you got to do all these different things. And, you know, and I was talking to my kids. I'm like, what the hell's a TikTok, right? And they're, <laughs> is that the thing the clock makes? That's the sound the clock makes, right? And they're like, oh, dad, that, that's just, just the funny stuff you hear about it. But, you know, and I think it's, it's tough for some business because they feel like, you know, they might say that all the, from the social media side, you have to be everywhere you know, to, to be on Facebook. And well, maybe for us older folks that, you know, who still use Facebook, apparently the young generation doesn't use Facebook. They use like the whole Snapchats and the TikToks. My daughter's on TikTok. I don't know why, but she just loves to dance, but sure. No problem. But uh, it's just funny stuff like that. So, all right, let's just talk about the actual coaching industry uh, from your vantage point. Like, what is your opinion of, I guess, the direction of the coaching industry right now? And where do you see it going?
0: Um, Well, it's already been shown to be going up, up, up. I think LinkedIn published a report of the top 10 growing businesses during the pandemic and life coaching was number five. So it's definitely going up. But I also see there's just such an enhancement, I believe, and, you know, we all see things differently, but I think there's such an enhancement in the quality and the professionalism of the industry. I think it's getting better and better and better. And in return, I think that the audience is growing more and more sophisticated because there are more amazing coaches speaking in ways that are clearer and more concise and helping people get better results, even if they never work with them, right? Just through a podcast, just through their content. And that is up-leveling the entire, um,
1: wealth world. No, that's great. And for those listeners, that same article said the number one job for biz now is quilting. No, I'm kidding. We don't know. We don't know what the, well, do you know what the top job was?
0: So good. I don't. Are the top growing straight? No. Yeah. No. I don't.
1: I, I'm going to say, this is the most time I ever used the word quilting, Jenna. It was just, thanks to you. I've never said quilting so much in one podcast. So, or in any conversation, that's what it is. But uh, okay. So yeah. what are the common little misconceptions though? Like, so a lot of people say, okay, well, Maybe I can go into the coaching space. But what, what, in your opinion, what are the misconceptions that they have? Uh, they're kind of going in not knowing.
0: Well, they may think that it's going to be easier than it will be because they think they can just kind of, you know, put up their website and they're open for business sign and clients will come and it doesn't really tend to work that way usually. So there is a, um, a lag time sometimes for some people when they're trying to get that going. And let's see, what's another misconception about the coaching industry for somebody that's trying to get into it. Um,
1: Cause like you said, some people might say, Oh, it's the low overhead because I don't have to rent an office. Cause now everything you can do virtual online coaching or anything like that, but mm-hmm. there, there's, there's more to it than just like just that. Right. So you said,
0: I would actually say for the low overhead, that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. That, I'm, In fact, that was why I shifted away from my jewelry business because I got bogged down with this ex- very expensive inventory of platinum and gold, right? And I moved into travel blogging eventually after corporate because of the, the low overhead. And I think that coaching is the best business model ever invented for that reason, because you can be absolutely anywhere. My family and I were in Italy for a month this year and I was able to work the whole time. And you can go anywhere, you, can, um, you don't need a lot of people working for you or with you and you can command premium prices. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that it is difficult and I would say especially for women, right? To get over themselves and to be out there because coaching requires you to claim your expertise in a way that many other businesses don't you can hide behind the facade of the business but coaching feels much more like it's you and you're talking about yourself being the expert and really being able to help the people and there's a lot of vulnerability there because as you know it won't work if they don't work right as the coach you can't go do the thing for them you can't do the transformation for them
1: yeah, you can't, make, you can't just suddenly generate sales for, their, for your clients, right? They still have to, do, they have to put in the work for that.
0: Right. And so there's a level of vulnerability when you say to someone, I can help you with this, and you know that they're putting their trust in you and giving you money, and you aren't 100% in control of whether or not they will, in fact, make that money back or get the results they wanted. Interesting. So that, that requires a lot of uh, vulnerability.
1: Yeah, it is. And, and, and I always ask this to all my guests there. So um, I would like to say, so for this particular question, so I would like to say, what has been your biggest failure, but also your biggest success so far running your practice?
0: Mm, such a great question. Um, my biggest failure, I would say, <laughs> it's so funny. You can tell now my, my time coach, right? You can tell my brain goes to time, but it's all about the time in, in action, I consider my biggest failure. So, of course, the two decades that it took me to finally get into action to even start the business, but even within the business, I find myself, I think I took longer than anybody to really get my business up and running. I know that's not true, but it felt like it didn't, now in hindsight, I know it didn't need to have taken that long. So that is the place where I probably uh, spun my wheels and made things a lot harder for myself, came down on myself a lot harder. I really let my inner critic speak up so often in the earlier years in my business. In terms of my biggest success, whoo, my goodness. I have, I've had an amazing run of it too. So I think my biggest success, yeah, I'm going to go with the Google I'm going to go with Google about do something that other people said was impossible, right? That you can't build a business without social media, that you can't run a successful coaching business without social media, without always being on your phone. Um, And really just, I think my biggest success is walking my talk. Right? I'm always saying that you can run a business, however you want to do it. You can build to your strengths. You can make decisions that are fully about you. And I think I've built a very uncommon business.
1: Hence the name, uncommon. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. So, Hey, do you need an error-free website? Do you need transcriptions that's accurate and on time? Do you like to remove noise from your video or audio recording? Do you need a spokesperson for your business? If so we can help. At Northway Capital Group, we are happy to announce that we are now providing website testing services, audio transcriptions, and audio cleanup, as well as spokesperson services. We would love to help you on your next project. Contact us for more information at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. Now it's time for Tips from the
0: Pro. Bah, 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 bah,
1: bah, bah. Uh, we're going to go from, I guess, the, uh, the Tips from the Pro segment here, where we're talking. For now, someone wants to get into the specific coaching space and they want to say, okay, well, how, you know, let's now pick Jenna's brain here. So what in your opinion is the, uh, the biggest mistake your clients are making? I know it's a very broad question, but I want to get into the space of, I want to be a coach, but I want to know what some of the clients that I might be dealing with, what are the mistakes that they're kind of making that you're kind of seeing?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Great question. So I think that many new people when they're starting out, they're really, trying to do things the way other people have done them and they're not seeing that they actually have so much freedom to create the exact business that they want and what that does is it pigeonholes them and it it, they start operating in an area that's not their zone of genius right and they aren't really grounded in why they're even making the decisions can i give you a a quick example of course how I think about decision-making. So I think that the way we're taught to make decisions, imagine you have a tree and you wanna find the perfect leaf on that tree, right? And we are taught to go leaf by leaf, comparing and contrasting, should it be this one? Should it be that one, right? Where's my pros list and my cons list? And then I decide. But what if, instead of doing it that way, we started with the trunk of the tree, the roots of the tree, right? And then when we got to the branches, we said, what's the strongest branch? What makes the most sense from here? And then when that branch split, you said, what's that strongest branch? And you kept following your strongest branch until you got to your perfect leaf. That is how I think decision-making works much more practically and efficiently and feels so much better. And you feel grounded into that knowingness. When you really start from the big picture, like, what am I really here to do? what is my mission? Okay, from that then, who are my right people to help me bring that vision to life in the world? And big secret here, the thing you want to bring about is always what your clients also want to see in the world in some way. And they're going to be deeply attracted to that messaging, the same way people are attracted to my site on Google because of this other level like there are so many people i'm sure there are so many coaches that say they could help with clarity but i talk about clarity so that you can run the business that you are really here to create you can do it your way you can do things in your way and all of that messaging about this uncommon way is what brings in my right clients and it's also what sends my clients that aren't going to get it it sends them off in another direction Right. So by following those branches, I, you can come up with your right people and then your right offer and then your right messaging. And you go that way up to your leaf rather than trying to compare and contrast. Should I work with this group of people or that group?
1: Yeah. I think, I think it's a great point. Because if you think of that that simple task you just said of find the perfect leaf, I think I, I, my mind was thinking, oh, okay, yeah, what would traditionally what you would approach, right? You'd either check, you look at the big tree, you're like, okay. Do I start from the top of the tree? Do I start from the side of the tree? Which you know, all that sort of stuff. But starting from the ground up, and f- and almost like following it, almost like a, I would say like a maze. But just finding as soon as you a see, yeah, there you go, a roadmap. You just start to venture off into breaking everything down piece by piece. Not saying go straight to the leaf. Let's go through, like you said, the roots, the trunk, the bark, the the, the branches, and then the, the twigs, all that sort of stuff, until you finally get to the leaf and say, okay, now which is one of the based on all this thing i went through now i can look to see on this particular branch which one is the best is the perfect leaf and i thought that was a great analogy right so, so. Of
0: the clients are out there hustling on social media trying to do more do more do more but their basic messaging isn't there because and i always say if you're not clear your clients aren't clear <laughs> if you don't know exactly who you help why you help them and this goes for a coaching business up to a fortune 500 company you see when sales slack off it's because they've lost touch with their clients they're not really listening to their people anymore and so they don't they're not really addressing their specific problems and needs and so when you are clear that shines through in the actions you take in the things that you say in the offers you create it all starts it has to start from that strong foundation
1: Yeah, exactly. So, all right, next question here. So how do you educate yourself on the current trends in your space? Do you go to, obviously you have coaches, but do you, is there any like websites? Are you a membership anywhere? Do you pay for, let's say market intelligence access just to know what's going on in the coaching space?
0: No, I don't. At this point I am in, I I do it through networking. So I have strong relationships with different people in different areas of the field and we uh, do a lot of powwows together. And we share information about what's going on.
1: Wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, So, how about this then? So,
0: I don't think that powwows was the best expression for me to use, at least here in the States. We don't (laughs) use that term anymore. So,
1: you mean huddles, huddles? Or, as my wife, she my wife works in a hospital and they always say, Oh, we have these little huddles. And I'm like, You just, you mean, you mean, you mean cuddles, right? So, she's like, No, it's not cuddles. So, I like to make, I like to joke with her about that. She's like, Oh, we have cuddles every morning. I'm like, Yeah, you do. Nice. yeah you do but anyways but yeah so you have get-togethers where you mm-hmm. brainstorm and just learn what's going on in other businesses and you see if it applies to what your business is so okay that's really good uh, so outside so, of
0: the coaching industry i love reading i love listening to podcasts all different podcasts business podcasts about all different industries i find it so fascinating yeah,
1: yeah it's good and that also too even with audiobooks as well you can because if you're not an avid reader but, you know, like there's all the, just look for the audio version of that. And you can, if, you, if you're one of those that go that you have to go to the office every morning, you could be listening to something that you're bettering yourself as well. And why not, right? So let me ask you this, back to the coaching space. So when people think of the word coaching, it, it covers a lot of different things. Like, do you find that in within the coaching space, there might be smaller niches that you think have a really good opportunity that maybe someone who's just starting should be considering
0: um i don't think they should be considering it if it's not what they're really here to do because i think that it'll be maybe it'll be fun for a year while you're earning some money and then you may start wanting to just poke your eyes out because you're (laughs) sick of talking about that thing
1: that same thing over and over again
0: that you never had anything really no vested interest in in the beginning so unfortunately i know too many people that are multiple six figures. And now they feel like they've created the golden handcuffs that they used to have in corporate. They've created it for themselves in their business and it's too late for them to really change their offering. They're already branded as this type of person. They've built up too much sweat equity and now they're just gonna keep going it, but they're just so sick of talking about that stuff all the time. It's
1: like these damn quilting clients that I keep having. <laughs> you know, just how much just, more? Can I how talk much about more? Quilting? <laughs> how can I say? I know it's a, uh, quilting on a nudist resort. Okay, fine, that's new. We'll go there, but. <laughs> you know those are the two words that i think have spawned this episode jenna you've done it for me now it's like quilting and nudist that's i've i've never just the first thing i've ever heard in one episode because you don't put the two together but anyways uh, so, <laughs> back to the so in yeah, what so is i do
0: think i do think that there is so much room for them i i do think there's i mean everybody i believe everybody needs a coach and there just are not enough coaches in the world for uh, for all the people but there mm-hmm. are, and so don't hold yourself back. This is another big mistake, is people tend to say, "Oh, some people's are people are already doing that, right? Someone's already doing it. I can't do it too." But the truth is, if people are doing it, it shows that there's market demand. For it.
1: Absolutely, I think that yeah. the thing too is that you know if, like, I used to be a personal trainer back in the day, and I, I never understood why so many trends This is before online training was a big thing, and I was always dumbfounded why people aren't sharing some of the secrets that help them become successful. Because if you think of, and it's similar to coaching too, right? So if you're talking like one-to-one sessions, Jenna, you can only physically train someone or even on on a screen, train so many clients per day. Mm -hmm. And think of all the people that might need your service. There's no way you can do them all. Even if you dedicate nine hours a day, 10 hours a day of just coaching or just personal training, you're still not going to hit It's a a drop in a bucket compared to the population that could potentially use that service right so i never understood why people were so like oh i don't want to share i'm like believe me you can there's so much more help that you can more value you can bring to people why not right so
0: i absolutely agree and i think that when people hire a coach they want it personalized to them and they want it all aggregated for them so you can give out all of your (laughs) all of your best stuff for instance, in podcasts or YouTube videos, and you don't have to hold yourself back because no one is going to be able, no one's going to want to spend all the time to go grab all the bits and pieces that they could learn from YouTube. I -hmm. shouldn't say no one. Some people do try and do that, but it's never going to be the effective use of your time and your most empowered clients aren't going to choose to use their time in that way.
1: Mm -hmm. No, exactly. Like I used to be, um, you heard of Udemy, right? Like the online course kind of thing. I used to, I have a bunch of courses that I used to spend money on and it seemed like a good idea at the time. It's like, okay, yeah, you, you watch it or you, you, there's some course I haven't even started yet. So it got to the point that, okay. You got to be careful because at the time, YouTube is a great resource, but sometimes it's not structured in a way that a coach would structure it. Or even someone who does a course is, is structured a certain way, but then just finding the time to actually absorb it and try to practice it. And so I wouldn't say... Personalize it's, it to you. Exactly. Personalize it. Yeah, that's the thing. Even with those courses that are structured, unless you can deal with the per- actual client and here's what, what their pains and their pain points are that they need help in specifically that's what the advantage of having an actual coach that can is dynamic that they can say, Oh, okay. So tell me exactly what's going on specifically. Right. So right. no, that's great. So when I start my coaching business, should I bill hourly or should I do monthly retainers?
0: Neither. You
1: Neither. Sh-
0: you should help them accomplish a certain result and charge for the result. So you should say, I'll help you get to X level or help you do X thing. And that is worth this much to you. So it really doesn't matter how much time you work, even how often you talk with them, if you can get them to that result. There's so many different ways. You can coach over messenger. You can coach over Voxer, over email. People do all sorts of different things. Or of course, you can talk on the phone, talk on Zoom, in person, in person at the coffee shop.
1: Yep. Yeah. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say you do by carrier pigeon, but aside from that, just...
0: <laughs> I know people that do kind of forest walking coaching and
1: oh okay. They
0: lead groups and I mean there's just so many ways the world is absolutely your oyster.
1: Interesting. Excellent. So last question on shift to the pro, then we'll hit, we'll close this off with a rapid fire round here. Um, What is your best strategy on dealing with difficult clients or difficult staff or both?
0: Mm -hmm. Great question. So the first thing I want to do is clean up my own mind. Because so often I'll label them as difficult because on thoughts I'm having about what they're saying. And as you know, sometimes they're not even saying it the way you perceive it. You're misunderstanding it or you have you, for instance, you worked with someone once who did these certain things and then they stole money from you or something. Mm -hmm. And so you see this same quote unquote pattern happening and you're already assuming the worst about that person, right? So you're bringing old baggage into play. So first I want to clean up my mind, make sure I'm in a completely neutral place and that I can show up as my highest self and at least if nothing else be really proud of how I handled everything and then if the client has um, crossed a boundary then I will very quickly release that client. So I have to be very comfortable with being able to refund whatever money's left and never be attached to the money. I never want to continue working with a client just because I want to keep that money. So I'd be very quick to release that client.
1: It's not, it's not worth it kind of thing, right? It's almost like that whole hiring analogy. It's like you hire slow, you fire fast, right? Just to get just to get rid of it. And I think what you're talking about too is also, and I think a lot of businesses, they do a lot of pre-screening of clients. So it's not even, the client could be waving like, you know money at them, but the I've seen small businesses that actually say, "Let's just first find out if we're a fit okay. before I start even t-. and that and that's a perfect thing because at least at that point, you know you could actually call it right ahead, you know what? I don't think we're a perfect fit, so it's almost like let's high five fist bump handshake as as uh, as friends or acquaintances versus you know really doing this business relationship where. How how many times have you heard people saying they dread Monday morning or they dread that email or that phone call from that client that they really don't like? Right. Right? So...
0: And that is it's not worth it for me. I love my yeah. clients, but I have a very rigorous screening process. We spend about an hour and a half on the phone. And it's not, and it's for both of us, right? If I see that they're um, going to do better with a different coach, or maybe they did better with an online program rather than coaching or something, then that's what I'll direct them to because I want us both to be completely on the same page. And I want to mm-hmm. be able to say for sure, you're going to get your results. If you do the work, you'll get your results. And there's some people that I don't, I, I wouldn't feel in integrity saying that to.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, it's, it's a really good point. So it's interesting to hear that. And I think it's, it's, I think people really need, I really try to hammer that point home for everyone that not everybody is your client, right? As, mm-hmm. as much as you might want to be like the Amazon, the Walmart to the world where it's like basically an overall general store, let's just call it what it is. That's what Amazon and Walmart are, they're general stores. And, you know, I used to, you used to drive to all these different places, and I used to joke and I used to say to my wife, Mrs. Kim, like, "I'm going to freak out if I actually see a place that actually says general store," because the mindset of general stores, like those old movies or old TV shows, where they just sold everything, right? But that's what the modern day general store are is right now is is the WalMarts and the uh, and the Amazons, right? So, all right, so let's get to this last question before the fun factor here is: What is your you talked about time management, Jenna? How do you, how would you, what is your best recommendation for time management for the average person?
0: Uh, Best recommendation for time management for the average person is to decide beforehand what you're going to do and then stick to that plan. Prioritize your most important things the earliest that you can in the day and leave the other stuff for last. And if you do that, the only thing you'll really have to work on, you don't change your schedule, the only thing you'll have to work on is your thoughts about why you should be changing the schedule, why you Mm. should be doing that thing. And if you work on those, time management won't be the problem it was.
1: Yeah, absolutely, right? Because it's all about the time. That's all it is.
0: Hey, you, do you need a voiceover?
1: Well, look no farther. Northway Capital Group has your answer. Commercials and explainer videos, AVR and voicemail, health and wellness, corporate training and e-learning, announcements, documentaries, and biography. Contact us on social media or email us at northwaycapitalgroup@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Now it's time for the rapid fire round. So let's get to the fun stuff here. This is the rapid fire round now. So now we're going to try to ask some rapid fire questions. We'll see if we can get uh, Jenny to give some quick responses. All right. So question number one, would you rather put ketchup or ranch dressing on everything you eat? Ketchup. Ketchup? Can't, you know, except for ice cream, which I've heard of happening here at the CNE in Ontario. There was a ketchup and mustard flavored ice cream. Don't want to try it. Yep. Uh, Ranch flavored ice cream? No. Is there one?
0: I don't know. I haven't either. There could
1: be. There could be. All right. So uh, another food-related question. I always ask Tom, I guess. If you could could have your own sandwich, what would be on it, and what would it be called?
0: Oh, how funny. So I actually have one that I love, and it's like the Elvis Presley. It's peanut butter, banana, and mayonnaise.
1: Mayonnaise? Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. it
0: It keeps the peanut butter from being really sticky when you're eating it, right? And
1: it's it's called the Elvis Presley?
0: Something like that. Apparently that's what he used to be. But anyway, that's what my mom <laughs> always used to give me in my lunchboxes as a kid. And so it's just wow. really comfort food now.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. And you'd call you still call it the Elvis Presley. You're not going to call it anything else? Nope. All right. nope, What I'm
0: going to pay, pay homage to like we're honors do.
1: <laughs> nice. All right. What posters did you have on your wall when you were a kid?
0: Oh, no. So funny. Farrah Fawcett. Really? Yeah. yep. Yeah. Just Farrah? Oh, gosh. That's the one that I'm remembering right now. It was that really iconic one where she was in a red bathing suit, like holding her hair back and her hair was... Kept- oh, yeah, the,
1: the, yeah. This thing. Yeah, I remember that. For yeah. some
0: reason, I just thought that was the coolest. Yeah. Interesting. I remember Olivia Newton-John was my favorite
1: singer. Hmm
0: but I don't think I had a poster of her.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. Like in my old room, when I was a kid, I had, I used to love, I, I still do. I used to love professional wrestling. So I had professional wrestlers on my po- posters on there and even some cars and some hockey players. Right. But, <laughs> and of course, Bruce Lee, because I was a big martial arts fan, oh, but, nice. uh, <laughs> nice. all right. Excellent. Who would you like to sit on a flight with, let's say a 10 hour flight and who would it be?
0: Hmm. My mentor, Brooke Castillo.
1: Brooke Castillo. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I don't know if you know her podcast. It's very, very highly ranked here in the ah. U.S., the Life Coach School podcast. But anyway, I think she is just a fascinating woman. I would love to, yeah, I would love to sit with her.
1: Yeah. No, that'd be great. I mean, I joked with, with my previous guest about this and she said, you know, the late queen, right? So she would say that. And I said, you know what I would love to do if I was sitting next to the queen for a 10-hour flight? And I said, you know what I'd ask her? She's like, what would you ask her, Can I said, your majesty, what's your favorite burger? <laughs> Just to hear what she would say about things she, she would not, she's probably not used to being asked, right? Because obviously during that type of, fr- there's always questions, Charles, Diana, all this, Harry, Megan, all these different things going on But I said, no. What do, you like to do to, what do you like to do for fun? You shoot pool? bowling what do you like what's your favorite movie your majesty so like those things
0: that so refreshing
1: exactly because uh, it's so easy too to just ask them specifically what they have been asked a gazillion times for versus just ask them something fun more relaxed and besides too because if you come off asking those kind of questions where it's just very lighthearted and stuff their their defenses kind of go down a little bit Right. Because if the first thing he asks about Harry Meghan and Prince Andrew and all this sort of stuff, their defense is going to go right back up. She's like, Oh, are you the press now? Show me your press pass. Let me see what you, you know what I mean? So it's, it's one of those kind of things. So, anyways, last question we have here is What is your theme song and why? So, Jenna, you're walking down the street, walking down the sidewalk. That song hits what, you know, people know Jenna's coming. Which one is it?
0: Shoot. Okay. Well, the truth is it's Into the Unknown, which is from a kid's movie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know that song. Yes.
0: Yeah. And for those that don't know that song, it's about a woman who has things, you know, her life's pretty good. She's, you know, running her kingdom. Everything's good. And she gets this calling to go even bigger, even deeper. And she's worried about what that will mean. Was she going to ruin it all? And I just, I love it so much. And I think we all have that call.
1: All right. So that's a great, a that's a, that's a great song. And let's see, you, you do you have that dress there behind you there, Jenna? That, do you have the Frozen dress behind you?
0: The Elsa dress. For those of yeah. you who aren't actually seeing this on video, I am in my closet, <laughs> which is asking me about. <laughs> my dresses.
1: I'm not in the closet with her. Jen. Yeah, I'm not in the closet with Jenna of people. So let's just get that out of the way here. But uh, no, because you know what? What people might under, not understand this is that for people who did who studied voice acting or they want to offer voiceover services or even do podcasting on the cheap, like if you see my thing here, I have like these sound-absorbing panels. So, so I have it across my entire office here to absorb sound, right? Oh, and uh, so nice. But, you can't see that at all. Of course not. If I turn the camera around, you'll oh, see this. I <laughs> and I, and and I got the uh, the stereotypical plant that a lot of YouTubers like to put on, they have a plant and they have one of those color changing lights, which I'm not going to mess with right now because otherwise it'll turn, I won't be able to f- change it back. But but one of the, tra- the, the tricks of the trade to actually making sure that all the sound, all the excess noise is gone is doing recordings in your closet. Yeah. And people say, why? Think of all the clothes there, it just dampens the noise right there. So if, if Jenna's uh, son was running around or if her puppy was running around trying to bark, it's not going to remove all of it. But if they just happen to walk by, you're not going to hear a thud, thud, thud as they're walking, right? So that's why, for listeners who are listening to this, I don't have to add much processing to this because Jenna has a great microphone, a great sound system right now, and she's in the closet. And I'm in. So that (laughs) and the closet. So, (laughs) any other final message or any other advice you want to give the listeners, Jenna?
0: Yes, I just want them to know that even if they're in a place of everything seeming unclear and undecided, which I completely relate to, just because we're perceiving it that way, it doesn't mean that it's not there. So your truth is always there. You absolutely know who you are, and you're just stepping further and further into it. And you starting to believe that will will prime your brain to start offering you up the answers that it already knows and is probably just holding back on because it's afraid of what will happen if you actually follow that knowledge
1: great words great words and so now where can people find you and unfortunately she's gonna have to give her social media because unless she wants to remove all her social media again um and people can find her in google but where can people find out where find yeah. you sorry
0: I'm at the uncommonway.com and I do have a free gift for your listeners. If they want some help with clarity, it's a meditation that they can use. So I can give you that link if you want to put it in your show.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And also I um, am at the uncommon way on all social media channels. So at sign is the, for the handle and the uncommon way on everything.
1: Wow. That's great, Jenna. It was great to have you on the show. Thank you for coming.
0: It was so fun talking. Thank you.
1: Do you have a small business story to share? The SME Stories Podcast is looking for entrepreneurs to share their tales of success, failure, and everything. If you're interested in being a guest on our show or know someone who'd be a great fit, please contact us at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. That's northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. That was our episode with Jenna Harrison from The Uncommon Way. Uh, you can hear that it was a very fun podcast for both Jenna and I. We were lots of laughs and we were joking around. But we did talk about a lot of different things. And I think the two things that stuck out for me on this particular episode is, uh, I believe the first one is, you know what? You're never going to get it right the first time. And what, what that basically means is that you can hear in my story and Jenna's story that we all didn't come up to finding where we are now The first time when it comes to wanting to be an entrepreneur and starting your own business, like she started multiple businesses and same with myself before we found the ones that we really liked. So don't feel uh, threatened that you have to be perfect right away. Um, Keep in mind, as long as the type of business that you're in is not going to you don't have to invest multiple thousands of dollars to get it started. Maybe start with something more lower cost but at least going through that experience of knowing okay how do i do my hr how do i do my marketing how do i do my accounting how do i do all my customer relations all that sort of stuff so you can try to figure that part out if you don't know it right away and if you have to pivot and move to a different business then by all means do that right there's nothing holding you nothing forcing you to stay in something that you're not successful in or you're not having fun with because like i said that's another thing is you want to make sure that the business you pick you have fun with it in some way, shape, or form, right? It should not be something that you dread to do the, ver- the very next day. You should be wanting to do do it almost every day if you could because it's just that much fun for you. Keep in mind, let's enjoy some time and you know not uh, go too crazy here. Even if you enjoy it, try to have some time off. That's what I wanted to recommend. But aside from that, guys, I hope you enjoyed listening to it and I enjoyed uh, doing it. So we'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the SME Stories podcast, which is owned by Northway Capital Group. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook
0: at Northway Capital Group.